Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. You know, that's not the will of God that you get old, sick, and die. Amen? I mean, you gather your years. See, that's so, that's so contrary to just whatever you know society thinks but we gotta we gotta stay with the word of god you gather your years then you make a decision it's time to go on home i was listening to a man teach the other day there's a lady in his uh, uh a church that was 86 years old and was had cancer was dying of cancer of the stomach and he went to visit her in the hospital and she told him just I, i'm so sick i'm so weak just let me go home he said i'm not gonna do it he said i'm not gonna let you go home like this he said, if you'll rise up in faith and agree with me, I'm going to pray for you. God's going to heal you. Then you can go home however you want to, but you're not going to go home sick. So they prayed, and he agreed with her, and God healed her, and she lived to be 92. And at 92, she got up one morning and said, well, today's the day. Nobody knew what she was talking about. She said, today's the day. Today's the day. And as she was saying that, she just fell over, went on to heaven. Wasn't sick, wasn't infirmed at all. Amen. With long life, He satisfies you. And then the Bible says He shows you His salvation. Amen. So we thank God for that, and we can live in it, rejoice in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. God is so good. I tell you, it's been a, a, a terrible day for those people over in Florida. You know, let me just say this. I think people, they get kind of tired of me trying to get people to come to prayer on Wednesday nights and on Sunday nights, and I'm going to mention, I'm going to say this, mention this more and more, Saturday nights and Wednesday nights, but you know, years ago in ministry, uh, we were around, Lee and I were privileged to be around Dr. Oral Roberts for a while, and you know, God gave him a vision of the last day, showed him the end times, showed him what would be happening, what would be taking place. He showed him four demonic spirits that would come up on the United States, and one of them was a spirit of terrorism but not, not an outward terrorism, but an inward terrorism. And I'm telling you, these things that have gone on in these schools and, uh, you know, go on the churches, I'm surprised. I had no idea that there were 1,200 incidents in churches in which people had been killed by somebody coming in and doing something stupid like that. But, you know, we've seen it in theaters and malls, and you just about, that's what that is. That's a spirit that does that. And, and, and I don't know if you're going to receive this good or not, but you need to receive it anyway. The church is responsible for that. You say, what do you mean by that? It is the church's responsibility to pray and to intercede. Listen, when we come and gather here and pray and intercede together, we're not just praying for that new building. We're not just praying for our missionaries. We're praying over the entire spirit realm of this area. And listen, we don't want that spirit realm controlling us. We want to be in control of it. We pray over our high schools, our junior highs. We pray over everything, every, in, in every area. We are, we are literally standing against those demonic forces that would come and try and, and do that. You know, the Lord literally, this summer, he, uh, Brother, Brother Roberts talked about, if I can remember the four, it was an economic uh, thing in the economy. It was the, uh, 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 it was the, uh, uh, the perversion. The legalization of, uh, uh, of, of same-sex marriage and all that sort of thing. The inward terrorism that went on. And then in the, in the, in the weather, 
in the in the in the earthquakes and hurricanes and tornadoes and and all this crazy stuff that's going on. Then last summer, God gave us a word of knowledge about a storm, and we begin to pray, intercede. And I'm telling you, that was the wildest thing. I was with Pastor Sam Carr uh, Sunday and Monday. And, and Tuesday, and, and uh, he and I were together doing something together, and, and we talked about that, about how that storm tried four times to hit this island. And all four times, the Spirit of God moved it out of the way. You say, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that? I don't believe it. I know it. In May, in intercession, <clears throat> the Lord showed that to me, and I began to pray all of it. And then in August, again, in a conference, God showed that to us again, and, and, and through intercession and prayer of the church and that conference, that storm did not hit this island. You know, people, people sometimes think that that's way out in the left field, but it's not. You know, God gives us the authority that's in the name of Jesus, and he gives us the Holy Ghost. And one thing about the Holy Ghost, the Bible says when you pray in the Spirit, you pray for those things that you don't know how nor what to pray for. Amen. And there's been times lately in prayer and intercession where someone's just taken me over in my spirit and I find myself just coming up deep out of my spirit in intercession. Well, sometimes you know what that is. Sometimes you don't. But we as a church need to be faithful to pray, to intercede, and to walk in control of that which is in the spirit realm. Now, you know, somebody would say, well, isn't that the responsibility of all, of all the churches? Some churches cooperate with it. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you take churches that, 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 that allow all that perversion and stuff like that to go on, and then every powerful thing that God chooses to do, they fight prosperity, they fight healing, they fight anything that God desires to do. They're cooperating with that, amen? But thank God we have authority in the spirit realm. And we're going to continue to pray. We're going to continue to intercede. But the more people we can have doing that, the better that it is. The more we can literally keep that stuff at bay and keep the blessings of God flowing, Amen? Well, happy Valentine's Day, everybody. I hope you got a chocolate-covered, what is it, strawberry or a <laughs> what else? A pretzel? That sounds good to me. I'll take a chocolate-covered pretzel. These Hallmark holidays, they're a blessing. Valentine's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, amen. Wish I'd have thought of that. Years ago, getting a getting the greeting card business, but hallelujah. Genesis chapter 1, no, Genesis chapter 2, excuse me, let me read here for just a moment. Now, always remember this about the Bible, the Word of God. The Bible is truth, it's not facts. Everybody say facts. Facts are subject to change, truth is forever settled in heaven. These laws that God put in the Word of God, especially in this book of beginnings, that's what Genesis means is beginnings, they're still relevant to this day. Very important. Amen. The creations, all that God has done in Genesis chapter 1, the entire chapter, all of creation. Verse uh, 1, let's just begin there. I'll read a minute. It says, Now thus the heavens and the earth were finished. Everybody say finished. And all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended His work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work which he had made. I, I, I like this. A, a minister that I'm acquainted with in a, in a great financial need of his, uh, of his life and of the church, uh, they were printing um, Sunday school material and stuff for the church and needed a printing press that cost about $42 million. This is a church of over 50,000 people back then. And he just was at his wits end trying to raise the money and couldn't raise the money. And the Lord said, you're going to have to believe me. And the Lord began to teach him about how to believe. 
And the Lord took him to Genesis chapter 1 and showed him creation, took him all through creation, first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. And he, and he said this to this minister. He said, you know why I didn't create man till the sixth day? And the minister was like, well, no, Lord, I don't. And he said, because I didn't need him on the first day, didn't need him on the second day, didn't need him on the third day, the fourth day, the fifth day. Amen. So we must understand that, that, that God didn't need us in all of that, but now that we're on the earth, we need him. Amen. And on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had made, and rested on the seventh day from all of his works, which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because that he had rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Now, that's one of the principles of why we separate a day in the week that should be a holy, separated, or sanctified day to come to church. Now, I remember as a child, when I first really began to be aware of church and what was going on around me, that, that, that there, were, there were no stores open on Sunday. The NFL didn't play football on Sunday. They played it on Saturday back then. I remember going to the old Rice Stadium and seeing the Houston Oilers play back then. Anybody remember those days? George Blanda, Charlie Toller. Well, anyway, that's who they were. And, and, you know, uh, I remember restaurants weren't even up. I remember the first restaurant we started going to after church on Sundays was the Monterey House. Remember that, Dad, in Pasadena, Texas? We'd go to Monterey House every Sunday. So, you know, I mean, uh, it just uh, people used to reverence it. We had blue laws. You couldn't do business. Banks were closed. They didn't deliver mail, all of that. You say, well, that's a law in the Word of God to separate a day unto the Lord. Amen. It says, these are the generations of the heaven and the earth that were created. It goes down and begins to talk about all that God did. And then in verse 7 it says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now man had already been created a spirit being in chapter 1. But in chapter 2, God gives him his earth suit. And then when he breathes that spirit into that earth suit, the soul, the mind, the emotions, and the will of man and woman come online. Amen? Because within the man was the woman at the time. The man and the woman existed together in one body. Now, it begins to talk about Adam and all that God had, had, had uh, uh, ordained him to do. It says, The Lord God planted a garden east of Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord, the Lord God grew every tree that is pleasant uh, to the sight, good for food, uh, the tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it talks about the rivers that came out, the four rivers of that area. It talked about the gold of the land and how God showed him. You know, how would man know the difference between a rock and a diamond unless God showed him? You know, you know who made that stuff valuable? Man didn't. God did. God said, now this is just a rock, a river rock. This is just a, a piece of clay. But now this is gold. Now this is silver. Now this is a diamond. Now this is a, this is a pearl. He began to show man what was, what was wealth and what was not wealth. Amen. And, and then it begins to talk about um, in verse, let me get down here. Verse 16, and the Lord God commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of, the, uh, of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Everybody say surely. That means absolutely without question you shall die. Now notice, it says in the next verse, it says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. You see that? Everybody say, It's not good that man should be alone. Now let me just say something, church, because people are always in different places in life, different stages in life. 
But there are times in life you've got to learn to fight loneliness. You can be married with 20 kids and still be lonely. You can be a pastor of a church of 10,000 people and still be lonely. It is not good for any man or any woman to be alone. But here's the thing. God is the answer to your loneliness. Now, thank God for a good husband. Thank God for a good wife. We'll talk about some things about that tonight. But in reality, if you suffer with loneliness, turn to God. Turn to the Lord. I know what it's like. I remember one time I was away from Leah for like 21 days, and I was in the Philippines. Then I came back into Hawaii. And I remember flying into Hawaii about 6 o'clock in the morning, and I, I just wanted to hear her voice. And I went to the phone and called it. I mean, I would, I'd been so lonely for about two weeks, uh, just alone. But after that, I learned to begin to lean on God because I'm telling you, you and God makes a majority and you and God can make a crowd. Amen. Uh, but he said, it's not good that man be alone. I will make him a helpmeet. Everybody say a helpmeet. Now, let me read that in the, in the uh, Amplified. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good or sufficient or satisfactory that man should be alone. I will make him a helper, a helper meet, suitable, adapted, and complementary for him. Now, this is God's design and God's idea. It said, And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them to Adam to see if he would call uh, to see what he would call them, and whatsoever call, uh, Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. Now Adam was he was smart. He was smart enough that God trusted him to name every animal. So never, no matter what the origin of, a, of an animal is, I don't know if you've ever looked much at, at, at ducks or deer or cattle, and they'll have this, this kind of scientific name for them. Whatever the name is, and whatever you can trace it back to whatever uh, language or origin is, the person that named that was Adam. A dog is called a dog because Adam named it a dog. A cat is called a cat because Adam named it a cat. A horse is a... They didn't evolve like that and just... One day somebody said, oh, that must be a horse. That didn't happen that way. God used his man, put his wisdom in that man, and as an assignment from God, that man named every animal, every insect, every bird, and every fowl, uh, fish in the sea. Amen. He's the one that did it. That's the wisdom of, God, wisdom of God operating through man and humanity. And Adam gave names to all the cattle, cattle to all the fowls of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a, a helpmeet for him. So obviously God was thinking, maybe one of these animals can be a helpmeet for him. But you know, there's no animal. Everybody say, there's no animal. Thank God for our animals, but there's no animal. It says here, and the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed the flesh thereof instead, and the, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made a woman, everybody say woman, and brought her unto the man. Now, this was God's design in order to obey the law of procreation in the earth. Remember said God said, replenish the earth and subdue it? Now, that meant at one time the earth was plenished. So I don't know what all of that means. I don't know what kind of societies or generations or nations were on the earth before creation, but obviously there was. People say, that's so far-fetched. How can you believe that? Well, that's the way it was. And they, they, we know by the teaching of the Word of God, a cataclysmic event hit the planet. We know, some scientists could say, we think it was a meteor. We think it was this. We think it was that. But something fell out of the sky, 
hit the earth and cause the earth to go into an instantaneous ice age. Does anybody know what that was? That was Satan being evicted from heaven. He was kicked out of the spirit realm and the glory of heaven. And the Bible says he was cast down to the earth. And there's no light in him. There's no life in him. Therefore, when he hit the earth, the earth still remained, but it became void and without form. And so when God wanted a family again, he came down to the earth. He cut on the lice. He gave it order because out of order comes purpose. But he needed in his order for there to be a reproduction of himself to carry out his order and purpose on the earth. So he formed man and out of man he formed woman to bring his order and purpose on the earth. Now, when you understand that, then you begin to understand that out of all of this, this is literally what God's design is for the man and woman. Now, let me, before I get ahead of myself, let me read this part. He said, And Adam said, This is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. That word in the Hebrew literally means the man with the womb or the woman. Everybody say the woman. But I say, whoa, man, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, now listen to this. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now listen to that. That is what we call an Adamic law. It is a law that God put in the earth through his creation that a man and a woman should come together in what we call the institution of marriage, and God would put his hand of blessing upon that. Now, today that's so violated. Now, I know it's controversial to say from the pulpit of a church anywhere in the United States that it is not right or that it is sin for a man and a man to be together or for a woman and a woman to be together. But I listen, we don't say this in judgment because we love everybody. We want people to be saved. We want people to be delivered. We want to have compassion upon people. But there are certain standards in the Word of God and certain truths we must adhere to. And one of them is the truth of the gender reality. Amen. A man and a man cannot reproduce. Nor can a woman and a woman reproduce. That is out of the design and the order of God. Therefore, because of that, there can be no order and there can be no purpose. There's no purpose in homosexual marriage other than to legally please the lust of the flesh. Can I get a better amen than that? So, I found my woman. So let me just, we'll just share a little bit about marriage and about how God has worked with Leah and I. We've said this for years. It's something that I find very amazing. Leah was not my type. <laughs> Everybody say, my type. You know, I grew up on the beach. I like I liked the surfer girls, you know, the tall, bronze, blonde-haired, blue-eyed. And God said, that's not for you no more. And uh, in a Holy Ghost prayer meeting, I saw this beautiful little Cajun girl going around praying and really never thought much about it. We started attending the same church together. And uh, I guess, uh, I think I began to go to that church in the summer of 85, I think it was. And so I began doing more traveling. I began to travel more, and I'd be in and out and, and working some with the church there. 
And, uh, you know, just kind of every once in a while, notice her and see her, notice her, see her. And I think they had a, what, is she, what do you mean? We had a, we had a, a, a what, do you, what do you call it? A singles group that we formed. They, they formed. So, so I, I went to a couple of the, and when I say a group, you got to understand it's a church of 30 people. So the singles group is five people, you know. I mean, it's not like you're sitting and there's 400 people there that are single. It's, it's five people, you know. <laughs> Amen. And so uh, through different events at that church, there was a banquet that we went to, and she came, sat at the table. And uh, was just dolled out. I mean, she was just, just. I, th- I thought she was a knockout, you know. And so I just sat there, didn't say anything. I would, took the whole night wiping my nose because I'd been surfing all day long and my, all the salt water was coming out of my nose all night long. <laughs> then when there was a Christmas event, you're t- and you're t- the banquet was, what, 25 people? The Christmas party was 25 or 30 people at the church. Bobby and Janice were probably there. And, yes. and uh, Ben, he was probably... Two foot tall at the time, you know. <laughs> he was just a little boy back then. And, and uh, of course, Dad was there. And Alan and Alan. No, Alan wasn't there. Alan was still a heathen. <laughs> Pat was there. That's right. Pat and, Pat and Sarah were there. Sarah was a little girl. Amen. Misty, Misty was there, yeah. So there's a few. We still drug a few of them with us. Amen. And it was a deal where you got a gift, and the next person got to, what's it called? White, white elephant, where you get a gift, somebody else wants that get it. And so she took my gift. I thought, oh, that's pretty bold of her, you know. <laughs> but anyway, after a while, for some reason, uh, we ended up doing something together. And I asked you to go to an alumni banquet with me. And this would have been April of 1986. My Bible school I went to, Lakewood, uh, uh, which uh, I was an alumni at that time. Uh, had a special alumni banquet. There'd only been two classes, and uh, the missionaries we support, Jerry and Janilaki in Botswana, they were in the first class. I was in the second class. So I came into that banquet with Leah on my arm, and there's Brother Osteen, Sister Osteen, and Lisa, their daughter, and another young lady who every time that I would do an event at Lakewood when I was in Bible school, they would kind of pair me with her, you know. So when I walked in with Leah on my arm, we got some really unique looks. <laughs> and I'll never forget when we sat down, I could see that Leah was very... Stared at. Yeah. Stared at. She was like, you know, because all these eyes were on her. So I just reached under the table and grabbed her hand like that. And that was our first contact that we made. I don't, I don't remember anything after she that. She doesn't remember the nothing after that. The whole night I was gone. He <laughs> held my hand. That was it. I was done. So the only dates we could go on, because, you know, I mean, I think I was 30 that year. So this is April. This yeah. is April. So okay. the only, only d- uh, dates we went on was I'd take her to meetings with me, and we'd go to these meetings that I would be preaching. And there was a couple of them where the churches were, you know, four, five, six hundred people, mm-hmm. and somebody would get up and prophesy over us like we were husband and wife. And I'd look at her, and she'd look at me, and, you know, thus saith the Lord, the fruit of your ministry. And we're thinking, okay, you know. And so, you know, some things can, uh, happened, and, 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 you know, I kind of got, what would you call it? Cold feet. That's a good. <laughs> exactly. I got, I got cold legs. I mean. <laughs> Scared. So we had prayer on Tuesday nights over in a funeral home over in Lamarck, 
And that night before prayer, I went to her and explained to her why we should cool it. And I noticed that night that, that the women that came to the prayer meeting and the pastor's wife were not present. And every time I'd make my lap around the church praying, you could see into where the nursery was, and they were all in there praying. And so I didn't think nothing of that. And I got home. I was living at Mom and Dad's house over here on Baluch in Harville Lafitte. And I came home and walked into my room. And, you know, the Bible talks about the chastening of the Lord, how the Lord will chasten those that are. I'm telling you, I don't know how to explain it. It's only happened a couple of times in my life. God was in my room. And not in a, oh, glory to God, God's in my room. God was in my room. God was in my room. And I remember coming into the room and recognizing the presence of God so strong. And then the word of the Lord that spoke to me, and it was whenever the word of the Lord is authoritative, you can almost feel it in your flesh. I mean, it raised goosebumps on me. And i never forget what he said. He started it by saying this, how dare you? Now, whenever God says that to you, you know you're fixing to get it. Then he said it like this, said it a second time. How dare you reject the very provision that you believe me for and that I have supplied for you. And then, boom, everything was gone, no presence of God. I, didn't, I don't think I slept an hour that night. I knew that she would be in her, her shop at 9 o'clock the next morning. So at 9 o'clock the next morning, I called her and asked her if she wanted to go to dinner. Now, that was in April, but in February... On Valentine's Day, so it would be today, 32 years ago, I woke up in the morning and the Lord gently spoke to me in my spirit and said, you need to send Leah Megason a rose. And so I asked God, why? (laughs) Amen. And so... I bought, I think it cost $6 for a bud vase and a rose. And I remember being in there and they said, well, don't you even want to sign the card? I thought, well, what am I going to say? <laughs> so I just wrote, from your friend, Rusty Mark. <laughs> but now you tell the part about what you did that morning. Well, you have to understand something. God spoke to me in October that he was the man I was to marry. So while all this is going on that he's talking about that he didn't know, I did. And I was speaking over him, you know, just asking God to get any kind of an inkling from him that I was even alive. (laughs) And I didn't get it till February. So the night before in February, I was, you know, God spoke to me in October, and so I didn't tell anyone, and I was... um, determined that I was not going to make anything happen in this relationship. I had done that many, you know, whatever before, never worked out. If it was going to be God, it was going to be God, and I wasn't going to have anything to do with it. And so I was sitting on my hands, literally, and just believing God. So that night before, I'm sitting in the hall in front of the heater, 
and telling God, I can't do this anymore. You've got to do something. I can't do this anymore. There's got to be something that he does to let me know I'm on the right track. You know, because I was... So, that day, um, and, you know, I'm, I'm at the salon, and I've got some staff employees in there, and they knew me. They knew I hadn't dated anybody ever. So... When somebody walked in the door and said, I have a delivery for Leah Megason. And so everybody in the salon froze. <laughs> looks at me. They all get up, stop what they're doing, follow the delivery person over to me with this arrangement. And I'm standing there looking at it, you know. And so I took it and I ran to the back. <laughs> because I didn't want everybody to watch me, because I knew in my spirit at that moment that this day was going to be the first day for the rest of my life. My life was going to be different from here on out. It was a whole new life for me. And so I went into the office and read the card and looked up at the door, which was a glass office door, and all of my employees had their faces <laughs> pressed up against the door trying to see what I was doing in there. So I finally came out of there and um, said it was from my friend, <laughs> Rusty Martin. He had to use his last name just in case. I didn't know who he was. So I called her up and asked her to go to dinner after the night before being oh, right, real we're, spiritual. We're, right, right, right. Telling her all this stuff of why, you know, we need to cool it, and yeah. you go your way, I go my so, way, this kind of stuff. So that know. night at prayer, you know, whenever he said that during the day before, so we go to prayer, and I am looking at all these women, I said, okay, we got to go pray, ladies, let's go, you know, yeah. so we took off to the back room, yeah. and we're praying, that's why we were not present in the front room. Right, well, they got a hold of God, for sure. <laughs> so I picked her up at about 6 o'clock, we went to the uh, Flying Dutchman, in uh, Kima. Uh, and as we were crossing the railroad tracks of Highway 3, I turned to her. I said, you know, Leah, this may be God. Would you like to get married? <laughs> and she looked at me and said, it's, it's about, about time. time. <laughs> but the point we want to make is this. Whatever you do in your relationship, your marriage, if you're a young person and you're believing God for a mate, if you will walk by the Spirit, God will give you a wonderful experience. Because listen, there's 10,000 ways out there through the flesh and the soul to find the one that God wants to bring to you. Now that's a point, especially for if you're a young man believing God for a, for, a, for, a, for a mate. Do what Adam did. He obeyed God. And in his obedience, yes. God brought a woman to him. And if you're a young lady believing God for a mate, let God bring you to someone. Uh, God will never give you to somebody that will hurt you. Never. That's what she, she kept telling God, well, is he going to beat me or is he going to you know, do this or do that? Both of us came from a very negative background in our life. We've had a lot of bad experiences, a lot of bad things that had gone on, and a lot of negative and bad relationships. But I'm going to tell you what. God restored everything about us, our purity, our, our, our innocence, everything about us. When we got married on our honeymoon night, I didn't think she's ever going to come out of the bathroom. (laughs) 
We've been married 32 years, sweetie. They know, they know by now, you know? I don't care. <laughs> oh, Lord. But what I'm saying is, what <laughs> you'll get over it. You might not. Well, I might not. I don't know. Whatever, whatever you allow God into, he's going to bring fun, blessing, increase, all of the wonderful things of life. When we were just married, I'll never forget, because she's very teacher-oriented, list, uh, you know, she's got a list of her list kind of things. Keeps up with the bills, and that's why she's such a, a good helping in the administration of the church, and and she came with our bills and, and looked at our income and just, you know, had this frown on her face. And she said, I, I don't see how we could make it. And I just, I just <laughs> took her in my arms and said, sweetie, just get ready. Our life is going to be a great adventure. And we've gone all over the world, literally around the world, preaching the gospel. We've been in all kinds of places. And, and we've so many challenges of faith of just God would say to do something. We wouldn't have the money. We wouldn't have the not open door. And we just... Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. And then we learned, that's something we learned. We learned how to live with one another. Totally incompatible. She's born in the summer. I'm born in the winter. When she's hot, I'm cold. When she's cold, I'm hot. We, I mean, it's just totally opposite. Our thinking is opposite. Our, our, our mindsets are opposite, opposite. But what we've done is we've kept Jesus between yes. us. Not above us or around us, but between us. And in doing that, and sometimes we get, because we, we know a lot of ministers and a lot of marriages that have gone bad, so sometimes I guess we kind of feel kind of, you know, we hadn't had the big upset or the big, uh, 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 you know, problem, uh, uh, you know, that a lot of marriages have. We've just never had that. We've been honest with one another. Uh, we've learned to love one another, and it takes, you have to learn to love. The type of love that you fall in love with to get married is not the type of love you can live with. Right. It will not sustain you in a marriage. You have to learn to love the person that God gives you to. And so just a couple of things before we close that has helped us. Number one, money. That can be one of the biggest issues in a marriage between a man and a woman. When we first got married, there were two incomes. Her, she had her income through uh, her business, and, and my income was growing through our ministry. But listen, we're together in a covenant relationship. That means everything I have and everything I am belongs to her. Everything that she is and everything that she has belongs to me. We have no uh, 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 mine and yours, right. you know. So sometimes I go buy her three or four dozen duck decoys. <laughs> <laughs> or a shotgun. Or a new deer rifle, you know. Or a surfboard, you know. I mean... You know, just kidding. But, I, you know, and a couple of times the enemy has tried to really trip us up. We had a time when we, you know, we got tricked into one of these timeshare things. And, and it could have been a real wedge that the enemy put in there. But we made a decision. You know, we got into this together. We're going to get out of this, this together. And this is before all these timeshare help and all this kind of stuff. We were told, this is impossible. You're going to have to pass this to your children. And we were looking at this scam that they had run off of us, all this kind of stuff. And, I, and for some reason, I knew in my spirit that Leah had the wisdom and the ability to get us out of that. And she did it, and we got out of it, and literally got a certificate from the IRS stamped debt-free on that thing. And I'm telling you, it was, it, was a, it was a miracle of God. So we've pooled our abilities and our talents and our strengths together, and it helps counter the weaknesses of our lives. Secondly, 
She's never treated me like a dad. She's treated me like a husband. I've never looked to her as a mother. I've always looked to her as a wife. And in doing that, it's created a stability. A lot of times men will look for a mother. Women will look for a father figure when it comes to, to marrying like that. That's, the Bible says a false balance. You've got a, you've got a dad and a mom. Good, bad, good, bad. Yes, ma'am, uh, you know, whatever you want to say. If it's a good dad, bad ma dad, good mom, bad mom, doesn't matter. Uh, a, a, a man needing a wife, he needs a wife, doesn't need a mother. Uh, a, 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 a wife needs a husband, doesn't need a father. And, and one of those, and we've seen a lot of people that are like that, and it's really caused a, a problem in their marriage because that is the number one thing that robs the intimacy out of a marriage. Is that right there? So we've learned to continue to respond uh, one to another. And then the last thing, and we'll close with this because our time is up. you got to have fun. you got to laugh together. You can't, listen, you can't take life so seriously. <laughs> Amen? I mean, in some of the most pressure-filled days of our life, <laughs> we've just started laughing. And thought to ourselves, if this all goes away, you know, if we've, if we've got Jesus, we've still got enough to start over with. Amen. And that's the truth. You can lose everything in life, but if you still have Jesus, you've still got more than enough to start over with. Amen. You've got to learn to laugh together. You've got to learn to joke together. I mean, even today, we were doing something. Oh, we were getting ready to go to lunch with, with Papa and the, and, the, and the family. And, and, and we got this parrot. And he's back there mumbling this stuff. And about every third word, it, we, we, and we just started laughing. It was just, it was just hilarious. And so instead of it being a, you know, just kind of a more, we're just, we're just laughing. All kinds of stuff happens like that in our lives. Where we just have joy, we have fun, we enjoy life. Jesus said this, I'm come that you might have life. And a lot of people's problem is they do not learn to have life. And life is more than just having a job, having a career, being a pastor of a church, a, a traveling man. It's, it's literally having something in life that gives you joy, that gives you purpose, that's a blessing, and that makes getting up with the person that you have in your life every day a joy. Amen. And it's been for 30, over 31 years a joy for me to get up every morning with Leah. And it's been a great blessing to my life, and I trust I've been a great blessing to her. Yeah, absolutely. Amen? Yes. So, the Lord has blessed us. Y'all have been a blessing to us. If you have any issues in your life, in a marriage tonight, don't let them simmer. Don't let them, uh, what would be a better word, Lord? Don't let them infect. Don't let an infection come. Work on that. Uh, today, I was listening to some teaching. No, it was last night when I was driving home from San Antonio. I was listening to some teaching. And, 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 the, and the minister was teaching on faith and went right over into marriage. And what he said was so good. He was talking about men telling their wives they love them. Mm -hmm. Just telling your wife every day. I do it to Leah three or four times a day. Every night before we go to bed, when we get up in the morning. I love you, sweetie. I love you. And, and, and this is what this minister was saying. He said, he said I've come across so many marriages that were bad where the, where the husband would say this. Well, she knows I love her. And I buy her stuff all the time to prove that I love her. That's like telling God, well, Lord, I tithe and I go to church. But, you know, you're going to have to one day go to God and say, God, I love you. I love you, Heavenly Father. I love you, Jesus. 
I've learned to do that all the time, but I've also learned to do that in, in my marriage. It's Valentine's Day, Valentine's Day, God. Do something to tell your wife you love her. Wives, do something to tell your husband that you love him. And mean it sincerely. And if there are issues, look at each other and say, we're going to work this out. We're going to get this worked out. We're going to trust the Holy Ghost in us. We're going to teach the Word of God. We're going to trust the Word of God. And whatever it is in your marriage, if it's money issue, whatever type of issue it may be, you trust God to work it out. And God will give you supernatural insight, information, and ability to heal a marriage, to strengthen a marriage, or to cause a marriage to be something joyful in the earth. Yeah, Amen? You love the Lord? Yeah. Lift your hands up and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you tonight. Now, Lord, I pray over every person in this building tonight, married, looking for a mate, maybe older that their mates have gone on to be with the Lord. But, Father, first thing I do is thank you for what you've done in creation in giving the man and the woman to each other. What a gift. What a gift you've given. So, Father, I pray that each and every person here tonight, no matter what their situation would be, would be free from loneliness in the name of Jesus. I say in the name of Jesus, loneliness, isolation, you foul spirit, you'll not afflict anybody in this room today, tonight. But we thank you that the comfort of the Holy Ghost and the presence of God will encompass round about us. Father, we thank you also that every marriage is blessed, that every man is the head over his own household and speaks blessing over his wife, his children, and his home, that every woman honors her husband and causes her husband to be esteemed in his own home and to be blessed. And that the strife of our generation and the turmoil that's in our nation and in our society and the perverseness that is in this world system, that it will not get into our marriages, but they will stay pure, upright, and holy. Lord, those that are believing you for a mate, I thank you, Father, that you'll give them a supernatural time of courtship and an assurance in their spirit that this is the one for me, that I can not only live my life with, but live for God with. And Lord, I thank you they'll not be deceived and they'll not fall for a, for, a, for a counterfeit. But that which is truly of God will come into their life, no matter how opposite they may seem to be. Father, I speak financial blessing, the blessing of health and healing, the blessing of joy and peace, the blessing of your word over these precious people tonight on this special day. Lord, as we leave, we thank you for your protection and safety, that you bless us and keep us, whether we travel on highways, airways, seaways, railways, in our righteous labor of our hands as we handle the resource you've given us. We are not subject to trauma, terror, accidents, if we abide under the shadow of the Most High. You give angels charge over us. No evil befalls us. No plague comes to our dwelling place. Lord, tonight as we leave, we thank you for that door of utterance which we have. Let us be ever mindful of the fire of evangelism burning in our spirits as we go forth tonight being a blessing to people, an answer to their prayers, and a problem to the adversary. We leave tonight walking in faith and love towards you, walking in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Happy
Happy Valentine's Day. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.